My guest today is best-selling author Natalie Goldberg. Her first book, Writing Down the Bones, has sold over a million copies, and it was a favorite of Leonard Cohen. It's been an influential work on the craft of writing. Today we talk about writing practice, the zen of writing, overcoming fear, and haiku, and how that can be helpful for songwriters. She also shares some of her favorite writing topics from her new Writing Down the Bones card deck. What's in a song? Natalie, it's so wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. I want to start by asking you, what got you started as a writer? Well, that's a big question. But um, originally, I was, a, not originally, of course, originally I was born. But <laughs> when I was in my early 20s, I was a hippie in Taos, New Mexico. And I had a boyfriend who was a singer songwriter. And he used to play the guitar and the accordion. And then he moved on to the clarinet and the sax. But together, we sort of figured out to trust your mind, whatever comes through it, to put it down, to not be critical. And um, so I've always been interested in songwriting. I've never written a song, but of course, Bob Dylan is my darling of darlings. I think that we are so lucky to be alive when he's alive. I think of him as the Shakespeare of our time. And actually in 2007, I came out with the filmmaker, Mary Fight, a, a film called Tangled Up in Bob. And we flew up to Hibbing, Minnesota many times because we, I figured if he left Hibbing at 18 and he was writing some of his best songs at 21, Hibbing had to have an effect. So we went up there and he's the only one who left. <laughs> his English teacher was still there, his best friend, his history teacher. And it turns out, you know, you had this idea, poor Jewish Bob up there with nobody up there. There was a whole Jewish community. He got bar mitzvahed up there and he had the most remarkable English teacher. I think he was a holy man. And he um, loved Bob Dylan's work. And he even showed me the seat he sat in in the classroom. And I said, Could, did you have any idea then that he would write these songs? He said, you know, he was young, but you don't know where people will go. He said, but I knew he was taking in everything. So, um, you know, I, I love Bob Dylan. And actually I'm very excited next week, I'm gonna get to hear Loudon Wayne Wright the third in person performing. And I had heard him many years ago and I didn't think in this lifetime I'd get to hear him again. So I'm very excited about that. But well, and um, it makes sense, you know, to to your point and all the things that have helped so many lyricists through your work that you know the study of any writing can help any writing. You know? Oh yes, absolutely. And understanding the human mind and how it works is really for everyone, a visual artist, a songwriter, anybody. But you know, when Bones came out, um, Leonard Cohen called me and I heard 
that he said um, when people would go up to him and say, how do you write a song? He'd say, go get writing down the bones. So it really, you know, it leads to anything, to being a human being, really. We need to understand our human mind. Otherwise, we can so easily be tossed away and be pulled here and there and not know who we are. But to write a song is to be here. I think that's what I love about songs. A good song brings you right here. I love that. And that's the power of musicians working on their timing. Um, A great singer-songwriter on stage who's really in the pocket, who has really good timing, or a band who's really deeply in the groove together you're inviting the whole audience to participate in that one moment together in the same timing. And part of that gift is that we all leave our problems and we all leave anything other than that moment. And that's a real testament to working on your timing as a musician. Your first book, Riding Down the Bones, has meant so much to so many writers. In fact, my sister-in-law said it got her through college. And you now have a, a deck of cards based off of writing down the bones where you have daily writing topics. You don't call them prompts. If it's a topic, it means there's a whole area to explore that your mind can swim any place you want in the topic. So, um, you know, writing down the bones has been out 35 years. It came out in 1986. Of course, I've written 15 books since then, and I think they're better than Bones, but Bones met America at the time in 1986 in some vein that they really needed, and it continues. I was shocked. Uh, People read chapters of Bones even at funerals. Um, And there was a woman, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about Bones, but there was a woman, I was up in Canada teaching and it was the last day and I saw someone enter the classroom in the back and just sit there. I didn't know who she was. And she was sort of doubled in a little corner. And when I said goodbye to the class, she came up to me and said, I wanna meet you because you saved my life. Now people say, oh, we say that, oh, you saved my life. But she said, I was on my way to commit suicide. And she said, I had the drugs and everything and I was driving to the spot where I was gonna do it. And she said, on the way, I had this thought, stop in the library. And she went into the library and she went her hand along the books. She grabbed writing down the bones and took it with her and she opened it up and she started reading. And she said, she decided not to kill herself. And she, this was three years before I met her. And she said, I just wanted to say, thank you. You saved my life. But she literally meant it. Yeah. So I, you know, I was a young writer. I was in my thirties when I wrote Bones. I, you know, nobody ever questioned my authority, Mm. which was interesting because they could have said, what do you know? But I'd also been sitting very deeply with a Japanese Zen master for 12 years. So I poured that into writing down the bones. 
So even though I use writing, what I'm really teaching you about is the human mind and meditation and who we are and that we will die someday. Mm. And I think that that hits a vein. So just, <laughs> just recently after 35 years, you know, people have asked me to do writing down the bones, notebooks and stuff. And I didn't do any of that. I went, I continued writing because yeah. I wanted to show you that those rules really work yeah. and can ignite you. But I did do just recently, a month ago, writing down the bones deck, card deck. And um, I think it's really helpful because on one side is a topic. I thought, how can I still help people? And I know people are not reading books, which drives me crazy. But these are cards. And I give a topic on one side. And on the other side, I explain why this topic. So you could, it's not just a hit, you know, right. a hit. Right. It's really, I want people to be rooted. And if right. you're rooted, you can continue all your life writing songs. I have the deck and I have written several just as a morning practice, but I also called a writing partner of mine and said, I'm going to pick a card for us. Uh, let's both spend 10 minutes writing about this topic and call each other and read what we've written. And it was so inspiring because the topics are such an open field. And my favorite topic that so far is the things I didn't say. And as a songwriter, just making a list of the things I didn't say, the things I didn't say could take you anywhere. You know, it could take you um, to a song about someone who has passed away and the things you wish you'd said or a, a breakup or in life in general, when we look back and go, oh, what I would have said if I wasn't so upset in that moment. The other thing that I really loved too was the, the writing topic of no thank you. And on the back of that card, it says, write no thank you and keep going. Every time you are stuck, write those three words and continue. And what a journey into ourselves <laughs> to just write no thank you, no thank you. And also as a songwriter, you know, what would, what would that lead you to? So I love this for songwriters to just take these open topics and exploring those and just having fun with it as opposed to going into a song step-by-step, line-by-line, but just writing about these ideas. Yes. But, and, you know, hearing you talk and we're talking about songwriting, yeah. these seem so good for songwriting. What I didn't say, la da 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 da, or right. thank you, thank you. I, I mean, suddenly they all seem geared towards songwriting. A hundred percent. You know, if you're writing with an artist and your question is, all right, what are all the things you say no to, or what are all the things you're going to start saying no to? And part of free writing and sort of laying ideas out on a page is really asking yourself all of the, the questions about the topic or the song title. It's such a great way to get sort of organized and throw your ideas down without being um, 
dedicated to a rhythm or a, a rhyme pattern, right? You're just, you're just exploring it. I think what I do though, is I write them and then leave it for a day or two because mm-hmm. it's sort of like the blood has dried and you can <laughs> see more clearly which are the hot ones, yeah. which are the hot lines. Practice, right? Ooh, you yeah. keep practicing and you get, you know, more adept and rooted. Mm. And that you really need, especially as a songwriter, because you could give up so easily. There are so many people out there and the whole business and stuff, you could really give up. And so to root yourself and make it a practice, you'll continue. And that's why I kept writing books is to say, I am going to be the living example for you, that you continue. And that's what I saw in Katagiri Roshi, the Zen master I studied with. He would continue whether I showed up or not. He said, my job is to have kind consideration for all sentient beings every moment forever. I'm not here for you, or Minnesota Zen Center. At the time it was Minnesota, we were in Minnesota, but he was from Japan. So it's building a practice that even if you get knocked down, you get up. You know, everyone hates you. Everyone hates you and your song completely bombed. That's okay. That's okay. You get up and you write because it's a practice. You know what to do. The next day you open your notebook and you keep writing. And actually uh, an example, Bob Dylan, when he was in high school, a senior in high school, he played a, um, oh, I can't remember, you know, one of those wild people at the time. I really should remember on the piano during talent show and nobody could stand it. You know, it was much wilder than what was going on in Hibbing. And the principal actually pulled the plug from the elect from the electricity. And it, it didn't stop him for a minute. He just kept playing till the song was done. He invented unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay, so a practice, which is wonderful because you're just dedicated to to writing and and despite the outcome, despite the, the response. I want to talk to you about what, how that affects your writing to really focus in on your senses. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it can communicate to another person. Like you could just say, oh, I love her. I love her so much. I just think she's so great. I love her so much. Well, it, that's nice, yeah. but I don't. I don't have any feeling for it. So you're telling, and then you talk about showing. Showing, showing. And in showing, use your senses, what it tastes like, what it smelled like, what the air smelled like when you met her, what the, you know, it sounds corny now, but um, it just expands how you can deliver what you want to communicate. Yeah. And you think that it, how does that affect the listener when you use your senses as a writer? Well, then you open the listener. So the listener can go along with you. 
and love what you love. And that follows the great rule, show, don't tell. One of my favorite quotes is, don't tell me the moon is shining. Show me the glint of light on broken glass. And as a lyricist, when we use our senses, we tap into the senses of our listener and they go from observing our song to experiencing our song, experiencing what we are experiencing. I love that our listeners are getting some writing practice ideas, inspiration, and a little Zen Buddhism. You mentioned Leonard Cohen earlier and how he was a big fan of your first book. He was a Zen Buddhist, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a, he was a Zen priest with Sasaki. Oh my gosh. How has practicing Zen affected your writing? Well, I think what it, I really writing practice is a Zen practice, is a legitimate Zen practice. But you could take it on without being part of Zen. It doesn't matter. You're still learning Zen. And, you know, my students, many of them don't care about Zen at all, and that's fine. But they really know in their body a practice. And, but for me, it was the beginning of studying the mind, studying the human mind, because really, what do you have? What are your materials? For me, pen, paper, and the human mind. Pen and paper, pretty easy to get your hand on. But the human mind, to have some relationship with it can really help you in your work. Do you use writing as sort of a processing tool for emotions personally? Or everything, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I can use it. You know, today I heard about a woman I knew 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I knew her really well. She hasn't been in my life in a long time. And I just heard today that she died of liver cancer. I was undone all day. And yeah, I used writing practice. I use writing practice at every level. You know, it works at every level. I can't, oh, I'll do writing practice. Then I'll write a song. Then I'll write a book. The bones of writing practice can lead you wherever you need to go. I often have listeners ask questions for our upcoming guests. And one of our listeners, Susan White, wrote in and asked, for your best advice for young writers on how to handle the fear of rejection or the fear of their work not being good enough? Uh, You have to let yourself not be good enough over and over again. I tell my students, you're free to write the worst shit in America. And, and, you know, and of course, if I have people from Europe and Asia and stuff, I say in the world, (laughs) you have to be willing to fail, to write terrible things in order to write something good. Without writing terrible things, you'll never get to anything else. I know that you teach writing retreats. And I wanted to ask you if you had one or two things that you would share with our listeners today that they could try out in their writing? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you right now, I still do. I remember. And every time you get stuck, come back to I remember. And it could be a memory. Once your hand goes, you follow where your mind is. So it could be a memory from three seconds ago or 20 years ago. 
and then flip it over. What I don't remember, what I've forgotten, because that's usually the underbelly. And you want it, you know, you want that, mm. the dark stuff. Then I do, I'm thinking of, I'm not thinking of, I'm looking at, I'm not looking at. Very fundamental. I have all kinds of, um, in this bones deck, card deck, all kinds of new topics, but I do mention those and those are fundamental for me. If I just get my pen going and I say, I don't remember, or I never said, I never said, I mean, what a, what a great self-exploration just for yourself as, as healing. And also just for a writer, the things you would come up with that you weren't even yeah, it's also a great opening line for song, I never yeah. said. Do you know, I used to say, if I could get the title, I could write the book. So there's so many angles. Yeah. But the main thing is to show up. To show up. Do you have a certain writing space or a time of day that you try to write every day that works best for you? Um, you know, I've been doing this for, <laughs> I don't know, 45 years. So I don't have, I used to have, yes, I used to, um, I had to work till one in the afternoon. Yeah, I had to work, you know, or I made different um, structures for myself, and then tried to hold to them. But I knew never to say I have to write every day. Because if you miss a day, then you quit altogether. It's sort of like being on a diet and then you blow it one day. And so you quit altogether. So I never say that. I'll say, usually um, I'm going to write five days a week, you know, or I'm just a tremendous softness toward yourself. For instance, today I really wanted to write, but when I heard about my friend uh, Pamela who died, I was pretty tossed away. And I sat zazen and outside and took a long walk. I'll probably write tonight, but I, I just didn't get to it today. So you have a new book out. Yeah, I do. A book I really love and I'm very proud of called Three Simple Lines, A Writer's Pilgrimage into the Heart and Homeland of Haiku. And it, you know, Allen Ginsberg sent me on this journey. And uh, I went to Japan many times. And um, I hope that I, in it, I really give people the idea of what haiku is, not what they taught us in grammar school, but the depth of it. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Just to, t I know, I don't want you to give your book away, but I would love to. Just yeah, let the I'll, just, know. I'll tell you one thing, and then maybe I'll read you a haiku. Or two. That'd be lovely. Okay, Alan in 1968 in Naropa Institute in the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics told us that haiku, what it, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be 575, five, but the real taste of a haiku, what's the difference between that and a three-line poem, is that when you hear a haiku, the mind has a leap 
the mind experiences a small leap or a sensation of space, like, huh? Ah. When you hear, I go, huh? Ah. And he said that sensation of space is nothing less than God. And so I never forgot that. And that was in 1968. And in 2020, I came out with this book. And I'll read you just a few haiku from some of the great Japanese masters. And I found a great woman master in here. And, um, and see if you can experience that. This is from Isa. Dear, dear. What a fat, happy face it has, this peony. Dear, dear, what a fat, happy face it has, this peony. This Beautiful. Is from, this is from Shiki, who I deeply love. Peeling a pear, a trickle of sweet juice along the blade. That is pure showing, not telling, and so sense-bound. And this, I think, would help a lot with songwriting, actually. He doesn't have to say, I cut it with a knife. Right. But it's peeling a pear, a trickle of sweet juice along the blade. So actually, I think haiku might be a great entree into songwriting, because you can't, in songwriting, explain everything. Right. And for songwriters who tend to be maybe overly wordy, it can be a great exercise in limiting the amount of syllables for the song and really seeing what they can do with space and limitation. So for any songwriters listening that want to try a new practice, Try this out as an exercise to write a haiku and then put that to music and then, you know, add words as needed. But the initial limitation, try that. And I think that if you can write a simple song, you'll be in good stead. Let me just give you one more haiku. And then, um, actually, I didn't realize how much haiku could help with songwriting, but I think it's really true because it doesn't say everything. Mm. This is one I really love and it's by Busan. And it's actually the haiku that brought me to go to Japan. Mm. Ah, grief and sadness. The fishing line trembles in the autumn breeze. Oh, I love that. In this haiku, you know, it leaves so much unsaid for you to fill in with feeling. And actually that is what songwriting is. Well, and I think this would be a great way to say, you only have this many words, so make them count. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've heard that haiku doesn't use metaphor yeah. because there's such a beauty in what is. Yes, the thing, if you really touch and are present with the thing itself, not only touch and present, you, and the thing you're writing about are one, then you don't need to do metaphor. I mean, it's okay, metaphor is fine, but it, it, if you really get it, it gives you everything. All right, before we end our conversation, is there any 
thing that I forgot to ask you or any last thing that you would like to offer the listener? As I say in my book, The True Secret of Writing, which I think is my legacy book, shut up and write. Okay, there it is. Shut up and write. Thank you, Natalie Goldberg, so much for being here. For more information about Natalie Goldberg, you can find her at nataliegoldberg.com. And if you were inspired by today's podcast and you want to write a haiku and set that to music, you can share it with me on Instagram. I would love to hear it. For more information about upcoming guests and events, please go to scarletkeys.com. I would love to have you share this podcast with your friends and anyone you think would benefit. Please go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a rating and a review, or follow me on Spotify. Now go write a song. What's in a song?